Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Well, as I say, it is Friday. We haven't, did we do this last week? I think we did last week. We've been, I've been here and there because I've been filling in for people. So I can't remember if we, yeah, we did this last week. But we, if you're not a regular here, like me, uh, we on Fridays bring one guest in and we talk about, as I say, a bunch of the things that happened this week. And this week, a man who is bedecked, fully immersed in Pittsburgh Pirates gear, and I will let him explain what, because we're out of baseball season, and there's no other team that has this that you could pass it off as, but he is head-to-toe in black and yellow, not even Ticats black and yellow. It's not a t- it's not a T, it's not a TC, it's a P. His name is Mike Fortune. He is the host of Hamilton, the Hamilton Network on Cable 14. Sir, how are you? I'm doing really well. Great to be back in studio to see you again and uh, looking forward to the next couple hours. So what is with the, see, I almost made, I almost continue, I almost said what's with the yellow pea, but that would have just continued. (laughs) We would have went right south of the border again. (laughs) All right. So you're wearing Pittsburgh Pirates gear. What's with all the Pittsburgh Pirates gear? So I'm a Jays fan, but I'm also a National League fan. I'm a baseball fan. I love the Pirates. Been to PNC Park. A couple place. times. Beautiful place. Gorgeous. Pittsburgh. Love it. Go to that city. Check it out. We had a, my daughter at a volleyball tournament uh, late in the spring uh, in Pittsburgh. We got there early, checking out the city. We had a hotel room overlooking to the park. So we crossed the uh, Andy Warhol Bridge. I'm a typical, you know, goofy baseball fan. So just so people know, the river yeah. that runs right through there, there are about three or four. The three sisters are called. The bridges uh, that Clemente, cross Andy to the park. Warhol. It's a beautiful setup gorgeous. they've got there. And you can cross over. Across all the Allegheny. Okay. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Sorry. It's gorgeous. So we, we go, I'm being, I'm geeking out. I'm getting all my pictures taken with the statues, uh, Mazeroski, Clemente, etc. And then I look at my daughter and my wife. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great? to have a tour of that park right now. I knew the Pirates were out of town, otherwise I would have been at the game. So parks closed up. They're like, it's not going to happen. Stop talking about it. I go, you're right. So a big cube van pulls up, honks their horn, gate to the park opens up, cube van goes down. Gate doesn't come back down. Gate's still not going down. A couple minutes later, I go to my wife and daughter. I go, I'll be back in a second. I walk to the gate. And there I look down, and there before me, down the ramp is the beautiful green of the outfield of PNC Park. So I look at my daughter and my wife. You did And I look back at the ramp, and I look at my daughter and my wife, and I say, I'll be right back. You didn't. I start to walk <laughs> down the ramp, past the security guards who weren't looking. They were all talking and looking the other way. To the right, I'm seeing some- A bang-up job by the security guards, yeah, well by done, the way. Eh? Yeah, well and done, And hey, for the record, please don't ever do this. I just happened to luck out, and I was able to get myself out of it. I saw the players' cars. You know, you saw some Bentleys and some Hummers and all that. Pretty impressive. I get all the way down to the right field gate. The gate is opened. I look around. I step onto the warning track, and I go a few feet out. There, the Roberto Clemente foul pole in right field. And I get down on my haunches, and I pick up the, the warning track dirt. like a, And I'm holding it between my fingers. And I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. I am in baseball heaven right now. And I start to walk around. I'm like, I gotta start taking video. No one's gonna believe this. So I get my camera out. I'm walking around right field on the grass. I get close to the infield. And then I'm like, okay, let's start walking back. I am the only one in PNC Park at this moment. It was the coolest feeling in the world. I then think, okay, 
I should start walking back. I've been down for about 15 minutes now, give or take. This is a crack squadron of security oh, experts. Hands down, hands down. This place. So I, I start to walk back and I'm thinking, I got to go back to my daughter. Don't want this gate to come down. What am I going to do then, right? Well, maybe I'll sleep in the clubhouse. I don't know. Anyways, I uh, as I'm walking back, I see a security guard walking down the ramp. I'm thinking, okay, here we go. So I'm leaning up against the fence and... A rather portly lady makes her way down, and she goes, hello. And I go, hi. I guess you're wondering why I'm here. She's like, well, considering you've you've done some breaking and entering and you're trespassing on <laughs> private property, yeah, I, w- I would say so. So I looked at her, and I said, look, miss. I go, I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm from Canada. We had a volleyball tournament with my daughter. I'm just enjoying the sights and sounds. I'm a huge Pittsburgh fan, huge baseball fan. We have the Toronto Blue Jays, love them, but we do not have a stadium like this. And I turn around and I kind of put my arms. I go, "This you is Vanna Whited the, yes! the whole ambiance." Exactly. Yes. I'm, I'm really laying on it, laying it yeah. on thick. I go, "This is beautiful. This brings a tear to my eye. This is my field of dreams." And I go, "But I understand. I must go." So she goes, "Let's go." So we're walking up. Hey, well, what's your name? How long you've been working here? I'm really laying it on not thick. Not working well, by the way. <laughs> Just want to be clear about that. <laughs> And she, she, we, we're chatting, and she goes, well, this is the end. So I look at her, and I put my hands out like, are you going to arrest me? And she goes, no, get out of here. And I walked out. And that's my story, and I got wow. photo and video evidence of it. And you have not taken off your yellow since then. and black pea shirt haven't, since then. I haven't washed my fingers that. since touching the, the warning track. It was that great. Is, um, that so go bucks. That's, that's, that's a pretty go good bucks. story. That's, not, that's not an bad. impressive story. I, I I would love to do that at Wrigley Field. I've been to Wrigley a couple times. I'd love to go on the field at Wrigley. That would be the place. I have but a, it's uh, that's a very cool thing. I have a friend of mine. I won't get into too many details. I don't know all of them, but him and his buddy somehow got into Fenway, and they urinated in the bullpen. Everybody has urinated in Fenway. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been, but that's the one thing that I've always heard about that place. It smells like pee. That's the one thing. I I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who have been to Fenway, and that's the one thing that unanimously they come back and they say, lovely park, smells like pee. Yeah. Everybody. So, that, so you know, good for them, but yeah. not unique. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Bob, uh, uh, who was, not Bob Baylor, um... Rick Bosetti. Remember yeah, Rick, sure. Bosetti Rick Bosetti? Of course. For the Blue Jays. We yep. had him on this radio station many years ago. I can't remember why. And the story that he had that he was famous for was before TV cameras were what they are now. He claims, and I, I'm sure it's him, and if it's not, oh, I apologize, Rick Bosetti, but I'm pretty sure it is, that he had tinkled in every outfield during stoppages in play. He would just sort of cover himself with his glove and nobody noticed. And that was his <laughs> claim to fame before wow. HDTV came into play. You couldn't do it now. Yes, it was Rick Bosetti, just for clarity. Uh, Mike Fortune in studio with me today from Cable 14's The Hamilton Network. And Mike, let's start here with uh, the more serious stuff because uh, Hamilton voted, or not all of Hamilton, council has okayed a 45-story building at the, on the waterfront at Pier 8. It's going to be a residential tower. It's going to have 425, 430 units. Uh, it's going to, I imagine, be quite lovely. It's not low-income housing. It's not geared to income housing. It's a lovely condo that is going to be built up on the waterfront. And I want to leave for 
a second the part about whether it's well, we may get to this in a second. One of the counselors, Cameron Kretsch, was commenting that, y- you know, well, who's going to be in the penthouse? I don't really care, honestly. For, for me, the, the discussion right now is not about whether we should be building luxury condos or not. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with private developers building luxury condos. Government can be in the business of low income or geared to income housing, and there is a market for both. So I don't have a problem with this, but... There's a lot of people also on a separate note who have issues with us developing the waterfront, building stuff on the waterfront, doing anything that would create any kind of construction or even a a visual obstacle on the waterfront. Do you have a problem? Do you agree with building on the waterfront or do you say, no, it should be pristine and untouched and entirely parkland and open and whatever? Well, I, I would ask uh, if, if any of these individuals have, have taken any tours. Have, have they gone to Pittsburgh? Have they gone to any of these beautiful cities in the States and seen what they have done with their waterfront? I'm a little torn. I see both sides. But you know what? I think our founding fathers of this great city of ours and how it started off, I think they'd be quite impressed if it got to this point where, hey, you know what? This is what we have achieved. We're, we Our waterfront is is a jewel. It's a gem. And we should be showcasing it. Well, it's been kind of gross for a long time. It's been gross, but let's clean it up. Let's do some of the right things that Toronto has had to do. Burlington has started to do in a way. Again, lots of cities in the States have utilized their waterfront to beautify it and to make it that standout city. We always claim to be it. This is an opportunity to showcase it. I know some councillors have voted it down. And I also get from their point, I actually took a walk today. I went to the brow and I overlooked it. We have a beautiful view right now. I understand that. The view will be obscured a little bit, but there's nothing wrong with our skyline slightly changing. And we should also say, yes, there's going to be one tower there, but there's also going to be a number of eight-story buildings there, I believe, as well, to make it a little community, retail, shops. We talk about economic development. We talk about bringing taxes into the, taxes into the city. Here's an opportunity to really, it's a, I think it's a win-win-win. Do we worry about the view? See, I think that a lot of the concerns come from Toronto because that's close to us and they look and they see, okay, they built years ago the Gardner Expressway, which kind of cut off the waterfront. And then if you drive along the Gardner these days into Toronto, you can't even hardly see the water because it's just a wall of condos all the way along there. And I think that if I had to guess, that is a big part of the thinking that a lot of of people have is we don't want to make something down there where in time you can't even get to the water. You can't see the water because it's just condo, 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 condo. And I understand that part. I understand that. But I also don't know that it's a terrible thing or a evil thing or a horrible thing, whatever word people want to use to say, if you want to build a luxury condo or two down there that will lure people to come to Hamilton or people in Hamilton that will want to buy there, doctors, professors. I mean, we keep talking about our changing economy in the city, that we're all now medicine and education and everything. You don't, you don't think that the people who work in those industries want to have 
nice places to live, to live in Hamilton rather than living in Burlington or living somewhere else and commuting here. Exactly. Uh, I, and, and, and we're seeing a lot of that right now. And so listen, council voted how they voted. It looks like it's going to happen. And, and truly, I don't really foresee the skyline changing that drastically, except for this one tower. Okay. Uh, during our lifetime, this is going to this is going to be over many, many years, I would believe. Well, and where it's set up, to answer your question, where if you look at the pictures of the drawings and everything, where it's set up, it's hard to f- see here anyway at Pier 8. It's hard to see where other towers could necessarily oh, pop up. They'll find a place. Listen, now, you put a tower on a postage stamp, it's there. They could. Uh, absolutely. There, there are other places along the water. This is not the only waterfront place. There's a lot of water in... Mm-hmm. Hamilton, where you could do this. Of course. But I'm saying at, at, in this area, it doesn't look like you could suddenly put up five other ones right there and make this giant thing. But but I, maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe it's because I don't live right at the waterfront, granted, that I say, well, I don't have a problem with it then because it's not my view that's being obscured. I grant you that that would affect someone's point of view. It affects my point of view. I wonder if we would feel differently if we suddenly were going to build a bunch of condos. You mentioned the Mountain Brow. Mm-hmm. If we were going to suddenly build a bunch of condos that blocked the view of the lower city from the Mountain Brow, would we have a problem? It's kind of a similar thing. More or less. Yeah. I don't know. Would I, we? I, 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 who truly knows? Who, who truly knows how that would, I, I don't think we would go that far that close to the Brow based on the limestone and such, yada, yada, yada. I guess one other concern to those councillors who voted no to it is the congestion, the getting in, the getting out, well, there's the that. parking. There's, there's much more to this conversation than just a beautiful, luxurious building uh, that's going to be part of our skyline. And maybe councillors who voted no to that were thinking of that as well. So lots to think about. But listen, they said yes to it. I say we just embrace it. Let's move on and let's make our waterfront the most gorgeous place. Let's work with Toronto, create that ferry system. Let's just be open-minded about everything as opposed to so close-minded. We're all worried about some things that, you know, the whole country's worrying about. The whole country can't worry about this. This is ours. This is Hamilton. Let us deal with this and let's work and let's let's make it beautiful. Yes, and the uh, and the argument that some have not just Cameron Crutch, there are others as well that you know, well, we don't really do we, is this really what we want? Do we really want another luxury thing that's going to drive up housing prices in the city? Look, I I think that governments probably it could find ways to entice people to be involved in construction at the other end of the thing. Make it so that it's so enticing for people to build geared to income housing or something like that. But I, if we're only going to say, if we're going to say in this city that we don't want luxury homes or luxury condos built, I think that's, and I don't know that that's what's being said, but that to me seems like the wrong way about it too. We need a mix of all kinds of housing in this city. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot of, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of, um, negative thinking when it comes to the this new council and, and the horseshoe and, and I, I think some of them are afraid to move forward however there are a lot of councillors that i respect that also said no to this and i see their point of view let's just move forward now there, there's no debate it's it's done let's move forward. we get so stuck in these conversations and i don't know have any of these councillors given who said no 
other suggestions. How are we going to use this beautiful space? We got the pub down there. We got the marina down there. We have some new parquets down there. It's it's starting. You can feel this, the energy of it. Well, it, the, the question of how to get in or out, it will be a busy area of eventually. It, it is going to be a very busy area. If you drive on Bay Street up towards Burlington sure. at some point, that is going to be one congested drive. There is no question. But if we're adding 230,000 people in the next 30 years to this city, as the numbers suggest, every place is going to be congested. Every place. And if we are, if we're in, insistent if council is insistent on some of the road changes, especially the main street redesign and everything else, everything by design is going to be congested. So who cares if one street is as congested now as the rest of the streets are we, we, going we, to be? We talk about how as a community we have to keep welcoming and bringing people in. Well, okay, we, we have to give everyone from all different uh, levels, to whether it's low, medium, high income opportunities to, to live somewhere that they feel comfortable to live in. So, hey, this is going to be luxury. Okay, let's make it work. How can we help the, the community? How can we help the homeless? How can we help those that need employment throughout this process? There's lots of things. But that we have to, as about. I say, we have to cover all the gamut of these. Age. Oh, we got to go to a break here. Sam yeah. writes in, I don't think I have a big problem with the concept of a condo complex on the waterfront, but at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'll be stunned, all capital letters, I'll be stunned <coughs> if the city doesn't find a way to screw it up. Well, that's... Uh, can't can't, can't disagree with them there. That's uh, There'll be a number of people who I think would probably feel the same way. One of the stories that had a lot of people really rankled this week, and I completely understand why this would be the case, why this would get people with a burr under their saddle, was the understanding, the ex explanation that with the billions, billions with a B, billions of dollars that our federal and provincial government are going to be spending to create or to fund electric vehicle battery plants in St. Thomas and Windsor and a few others, that we learned this week that something like 1,600 of the jobs at this place, Mike Fortune from Cable 14's The Hamilton Network, 1,600 of these jobs apparently are going to people being brought here, not Canadians. This is not an anti-immigrant screed at all. This is, how in the world, why is it that it seems as though a government can do something that it has to know is going to blow up on it. it. This is going to come out and it has to know that people are going to be angry about this. And yet, clearly, they don't care. It just it amazes me. Not the greatest PR move, but I, I think if you're in government, you know how the PR cycle works. You put a story out there, it goes through the 24-hour the news cycle, gets flushed away, and they continue on with, with what they want to do. Um, you know... Uh, have they? Did they look at what our unemployment rate is here in, in our country? Have they listened to what's going on with the homelessness and 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 the opioid situation? Like, there's so much they can do here, right in our own. We got people in our own backyard that would be willing, educated as well. Give other people opportunities to somehow get involved. I don't know. I'm even throwing my hands up. Even if they're not educated, even if the no. people don't know, these things are going to take a couple of years to build. There's there's two years you could train some people sure. to be able to do it. You, you, you hired on now. Look, if we're spending, 
whatever it is, $15 billion to build this thing. How many more million? It's take a few more million to, to get them trained ahead of time and pay them for the two years before they work at the plant. But it's like, I just, I, I'm just, I'm stunned not at government ineptitude, not at government bad decisions. I'm not stunned by that at all. I expect that at this point. <laughs> and I'm that's sad in itself. But I'm yeah. <laughs> stunned that governments seem so willing or they don't even care apparently anymore that people are furious with them because of maybe because of what you said, maybe they figure, well, people will just forget and then, you know, we just carry on. I just don't get it. There, I just don't get it at all. They're, they're, they're used to people not liking their decisions. They're, they're going to make half the people happy, half the people not happy, or maybe it's 70, 30, who knows, who cares. But they, they, they just continue to, to roll and truck on. And then leading up to vote time, they, 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 they promise a bunch of things and, and they get the votes to get back in potentially. So but shouldn't the, especially the federal government, especially the federal government, the reason I say that is because the provincial government can only do so much as far as immigration or bringing other people or where the money goes outside the country. Yeah. Uh, they, <clears throat> if they could, they'd probably find a way to blow it too. But shouldn't the federal government, if nobody else, be very clear on the fact that we're spending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Look, we've all been very supportive of what sure. Ukraine is doing, but there comes a point, I think, at which we have to say, we're not doing so well in this country with our finances. Maybe we have to start looking at our tax situation and our financial situation. We don't, we have a, a unemployment is going up because of the interest rates and what's going on with bank, maybe we need to start finding, making sure these jobs go to citizens who are paying taxes here already. I just, it, it just amazes me that there seems to be such a level of disinterest in this stuff. Scotty, I have always been a believer we should always look after our own house first, whether that be at the federal level, the provincial level, or at the municipal level. Now, maybe there are a lot of things we don't understand, but we also know uh, our Prime Minister, Mr. Trudeau, he, he loves to open up the doors and say, hey, welcome everybody, come on in. Uh, but we don't know where these workers are coming from. We don't know their education status. Maybe they are experts in this. Who truly knows? Are, are they here just for the project and then they leave? Uh, do they stick around? Are they paying rent? Like, there's a lot of variables that I don't know about at this point, but optics, the clickbait on the headline, it doesn't look good. Why, though... So is it just carelessness then? Should the government, if you're going to hand over a 15 billion, now the government is saying, well, look, they are, the company is also putting in some money towards construction. We're not paying for the entire building. No, we're only paying for 14 billion of it. Well, whatever. <laughs> but should the government not then be careful enough, knowledgeable enough to say, all right, if you're getting this money, it comes with some conditions being that the people you're going to hire are going to be Canadian. That, that would seem to me to be... Item number one on the checklist. Sure. Not, and, and, and not we, even complicated. And we have seen how um, some of these uh, seasonal workers come over and we hear about how they're treated and looked after and then they start causing an uproar. What is the plan? What's the full plan when you bring these people in? How is it going to work? How are they going to really truly help our community as a whole? And, and don't even get me started on this whole EV and lithium battery thing right now either. But listen... The government likes to do what the government likes to if do. The, yeah, but if the company says we're putting in a few billion dollars ourselves, this is our decision because we're running the thing and so we're hiring the people, fine. But then if you're the government, it should have been in the contract to say, 
all right, if you do that, that $15 billion goes away. This is, this is our, Mm -hmm. this is our condition of granting you this money. It's a buttload of money. And for the record, buttload is. (laughs) You just went south again. No, no, no. A buttload is a legitimate measure that uh, from years ago, a wine was delivered in casks and things. And one of them was called a butt. And so to get a buttload of something was a full cask of wine. It's it's a. It's I cannot believe that at six forty four on a Friday I have learned something from Mister Radley. Anyways, it's a buttload of money. A but, it's a buttload of money, and surely you sh- you would be allowed if you're the government to put a few conditions on that amount of money. We're not talking about we're giving you a thousand dollars per employee. You do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> and, and, and maybe fifteen. Billion dollars. Maybe those conditions are in there. We haven't heard about it. Maybe they're going to be they're... adding those conditions. Like we don't know. We haven't seen the contracts. Go ahead. But if the if the but they should at least, as a PR person, at least put that out there. Say here's what it's going to entail. If the conditions are in there, they've already breached them. <laughs> right? Yeah. I guess you're right. To, um, to your point. Yeah. That's so true. I'm just doing some math here because this means every Canadian, just for this. $15 billion dollar thing. Project. Every Canadian is putting $375 into it. So a family of four, uh, that means your family of four that you have, uh, your family has paid $1,500. $1, now, that's thankfully just a tip of the iceberg because what we learned from the economic statement this week was that you alone within five years will be paying $1,500 a year just to service the interest on our debt. Yeah. This is... It's a, it's a, you start adding up all these things the government is doing to take our money and throw it away for nothing. Yeah. Well, and that's what we Scott, we've been talking about that for years on this show, everything from A to Z, what they do and how they waste it. Are we truly getting ahead? I hope so. I think so. But yes, let's be a little more transparent. Let, let's have a little more let's understanding. Let's at least look out the for the people that are paying that are, the taxes. That are paying the taxes. Well, that's exactly. A, you know, I, I, to me, this is something, it's, it's, it's such a no-brainer that it's it's staggering. If you're going to put $15 billion or whatever billions it is into this, you get it written into the contract. This is These are for Canadian jobs. It shouldn't even, we shouldn't even be, because we've learned that there's going to be 1,600 jobs for people coming into Canada to take these positions. It's, it's a staggering level of stupidity that is beyond. For two years worth of work. Hold on. For two. Yeah, how do I? There we go. By the way, how do I get headphones like you? I don't know what you and Ben and all them are talking about. It'll mess up your hair. Yeah, well, Um, okay. So, so, (laughs) but here, you know, as I was thinking about it just before the break, the thing that I have thought for the longest time now is the problem we have with politicians and money Mm -hmm. is there is no, they have no skin in the game. This is not a new idea. This is not something that no one else has thought of before. I'm not suggesting that this is a brilliant new thought. The people in government, whether it's working in the public sector or working as politicians, it is not their money. They have no skin in the game. And I think we need to almost get to the point now where we, and it'll never happen because no politician will ever pass something like this. Fiscal responsibility? That there is somehow in there, that their salaries are directly affected by the budgets that they create. So you come in with a, a, a budget that's over budget, every percent that the budget is over budget, the deficit that you run, 5% of your salary is taken off. You want to, maybe if you drive it into their home, maybe if you make it personal to them, 
there would be incentive for them to be careful with our money. Because right now there seems to be no care. I, I think we do make it a little personal for them every every four years when we vote. If we're not do happy, we? we can always vote them do out, we? and then they're not making anything. Mind you, they could always become a consultant, and then they still get our money anyway. And there's a lot of them that work for governments who spend a ton of money, who get reelected anyway because, That's true. you know, whatever reason. I just, I've thought for the longest time now, you come in with a deficit budget, whatever percentage, a certain percentage is taken off your salary. And some of them, now some of them are already independently wealthy, but some of them who aren't, this will matter. Of course, of course. And, and you know, if, if, if we look at who, the individuals who are coming in to, to work on this project, um, again, I, I know you were going the government route, but if I, I'm going back to the original thought that we were talking about, you know, again, it's a shame that there isn't more squeaky wheel gets the grease type thing. And maybe this is the start of it. Who knows? And perhaps maybe they could change their thought and their mindset. But we also know that's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. They're going to be, they're going to have this beautiful battery plant. And they're going to have a made in China thing on the, on the, yeah, be- <laughs> on the building outside. Who knows? If you own a company, if, if you own F- Mike Fortune Enterprises, which by the way, Fortune Enterprises would be a great name for a company, for anything that you're going to make. Who's to say it isn't already trademarked? All right. <laughs> but if you own Fortune Enterprises and you, if you come in with a deficit budget, you have two options. You can take it out on your employees. People then won't probably want to work for you, but it's going to come out of your pocket. If your company is losing money, Yep. or running a deficit, you as the owner are going to be affected. What is the impact on the premier, the prime minister uh, of anyone at the level of any government? Now, municipal, you can't run a deficit. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Could you imagine that? Could you, yeah. Could you imagine if- Especially with this council. <laughs> if you were allowed to run a deficit budget, we would be, Hamilton right now would be owned by China. We would be literally owned by China. There's three or four wards that would just hand it right over to them right now, probably. And yeah. not just not just recently. <laughs> like this would have been going on for a long time because yeah, it'd be true. too easy. It'd be way too easy. But no, I, I just I look at this and I just I really believe that somehow it seems like it's time we are now swimming in levels of debt that are unfathomable even a few years ago, what we're paying in interest, as we talked about on the show yesterday, what we're paying in interest to service the debt. Sixty In five years, we're going to pay $60 billion a year, $1,500 per Canadian every year just to pay the interest rates. $6,000 for a family of four, flushed down the toilet, not going to healthcare, not going to roads, not going to education, not going to military, not going to whatever going to pay interest. It's an outrage. It's an abomination. And our politicians clearly, because if they, if this was not true, they would do something about it. Our federal politicians do not give a crap and they can say they do, but their actions speak more than their words do. They could not care less. And so maybe the only way to do this is that there is a cost directly to them and maybe it still won't affect people who were no. born with a silver spoon in their mouth who have millions of dollars in a trust fund and others, but maybe the backbenchers would be voting against it then because, wait a second, how am I losing 50% of my salary now? Yeah. 
Hey, hey, folks, for everyone that's listening, uh, we got Scotty really riled up oh, here. Oh, man. And, and I think I see a vein popping out. So he, Several. He's, he's raring to go right now. This 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 is such an outrage to me, always. And then when you have Christia Freeland show up for her economic statement and, talk, and, and the Prime Minister talking about how we've always been economically careful. Responsible. Responsible, whatever. It's like... It, it, it's enraging to hear this. If you really believe that this is economically responsible, that we are this far into debt, well, then, as I say, maybe if your backbenchers then were going to lose half their salary because you've gone over by a certain amount, they would rise up and say, hold on a second, maybe you can afford to take less pay. I got to put food on my table. I ran for this office because I wanted to help, but also because I knew there was a salary involved and I don't want to be working for free. Just saying it's time, it's time, it's it's time for something to happen because it's not clearly the people making decisions. They can tell you all day long. They care about finances. They They don't. don't give a rip. They, it's not their money. They don't care. They, they see their bank account every two weeks, and that's what makes them happy. This rant brought to you by Drano, by yeah. the way. So it's uh, Radley Soapbox moment. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We read this week that the Human Rights Commission, and we talked about this in the show last night, and I was not going to bring it up again, but you know what? This is one of those ones that I just, and I know I heard from a bunch of people last night during the show from texts and Good emails. Oh, no. So the Canadian Human Rights Commission has declared in a report that Christmas is evidence of Canada's colonialist religious intolerance. And that uh, this is um, uh, discrimination against religious minorities in Canada is grounded in Canada's history of colonialism, reads a discussion paper on religious intolerance published last month by the agency. So basically, Christmas is a huge problem in this country, is what the Human Rights Commission is telling us, or at least some segment of the Canadian Human Rights Commission is telling us. So getting together, gathering with family and friends, reflecting on the no, past No, no, but just you is... can't just call that Christmas. If you want to call that Hanukkah, or you want to call that Eid, or you want to call that Kwanzaa, or you want to call that any other, any other cultural or religious thing, that's fine, but Christmas is a problem because that's our colonial past. We learn from our past. We've carried on some traditions. And you think Christmas is going to go anywhere anytime soon? This is the biggest marketing tool for businesses year round. This is the this is the year they look forward to to rake in all the cash. Oh, but Mike, the Human Rights Commission would simply say, well, it's not Christmas that's doing that. It's just you could call it the holiday season and it would do the exact same thing. But we just, it's, it's outrageous that people who would not be of Christian tradition or Christian heritage would have to suffer through the Christmas season, which clearly is an outrage to all, I mean, I'm paraphrasing clearly, but I just... Do people just sit around and just think this... I was going to say something else. I won't think this stuff up and say, you know what? I am going to pen this. I'm going to bring this motion or whatever. I want, I want the world to know about this because this has to change. I'd like to know who has that much time to think about this stuff. Christmas is Christmas is Christmas. I think it's not an episode from the office. Anyways, it's, it's, yeah, it, it is a very good question though, that you raise about why we would have government organizations that are literally so 
underburdened with <laughs> real work to do, yeah. that, <laughs> that this would be something that they would decide is the urgent issue of our time. It also leads me to very much to believe that uh, the Human Rights Commission, if you were ever called in front of it for anything because you are a, well, you're tanned, but generally a white man, I'm a white man, we would probably have no chance because right. it, it is it clearly this appears that anything traditional or old Canadian or that's tied to anything, and I guess being a white man is now considered tied to that colonial past, uh, it would be bad. I would walk into that hearing, whatever they call it, I'd be wearing a Santa suit, I'd bring a bunch of L's with me, and I'd say, ho, ho, ho. I just... How are you going to disappoint Santa now? Come on, folks! How, uh, as I say, I just, I look at this and I just think to myself that it's, it's... It's ridiculous to me that we have government agencies or even arm's length government agencies. Even someone represent, representing some branch of some government. Someone got paid to think of this. This sounds like a make work project. Hey, think of something that will cause some controversy. We'll pay you well for it. How, what percent do you think? And this is what we finished yesterday with, but I want to get to this. What percent do you think? And I think, I think the number is exceedingly low, but what percent of people who come from a non- traditional non-Christian. And when I say Christian, I mean, there's a lot of people who are not practicing Christians, but they would say, well, that's our heritage or our background. What percent of people who come from a non-Christian tradition do you believe are, so Sikh, Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, pick whatever. How many of them do you think are truly offended by Christmas? Oh, Maybe 5%. Maybe. Maybe. And I think it would be below that. And and I I think they appreciate how we celebrate Christmas, and I think we are learning other cultures, and we're accepting Ramadan and and, uh, Cinco de Mayo, whatever. You know, we're accepting. Accept what we are doing. Uh, I don't think a lot of people worry about it. Listen, when you you, you cruise, we like to go on vacations, you go anywhere across the world, you'll see Christmas trees up at these resorts and wreaths and Christmas music playing. Christmas is a worldwide... Um, uh, everyone knows about it, and if you want to celebrate it, celebrate. Do it in style. If you don't, do your own thing. I, I, and I think that m- the vast majority of people who come to this country have no problem with it because I believe the vast, the overwhelming, almost, almost unanimous, maybe not all, but the overwhelming number of people who come here come to a country that they understand has traditions, can- and I will... Accept, embrace. I, I maybe? may embrace. I may not embrace, but I will accept the traditions. And they also, I believe, would expect that if I move to their old country, exactly, that I would not, that I would embrace or accept either one the traditions that are there. If I move to a country where it is a Muslim country, I would accept what is going on there with their Muslim traditions. If I go to, a, to Israel, I would accept that it would be Hanukkah for, uh, I and, don't, and, th- and I would think that would be the understanding that most people have. And you can do that while you're out in public in those countries. And then when you're back at your Airbnb or hotel, you can then celebrate Christmas how you want to in the privacy with you and Monica and the family. The fact that we're even talking about this, that this is coming up, is, you know, I'm getting a vein popping out. You can't see through the hair and the hat. It frustrates me because now we have become very commercialized. Maybe that's yes. part of what is really bothering them as opposed to the Christianity side. No, of it. I think it's the opposite. I think, I think that if we were a country 
I mean, I, I no. If we were a country that still held strongly to the religious tradition of Christmas, this would be even a much bigger problem to the Human Rights Commission. I'm willing to bet we we as a country. I I don't know what percentage of people now go to church regularly. Certainly on Christmas, but the vast majority don't. It's Agreed. a it's a cultural holiday now, not a religious holiday for the overwhelming vast number of people in this country. And sometimes it's just a holiday for people that just enjoy the winter season. They enjoy the lights, a little bit of decorating, family gathering around a tree, the simple traditions of truly what Christmas, you know, to me should be about as opposed to the most expensive gifts, the biggest gifts, what can you do? I could go without all that and let's just sit around a tree. The, the, the religious side of it, yeah, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, I get it. I, I, I appreciate people who do that, but I just enjoy the simplicity of Christmas. Okay, so the, the, the part about this that I find so difficult to wrap my head around, there's a number of them, but so one of the things that was said in this report was that while people get time off, mm-hmm. But they, they have to sometimes, if they are not, if they don't have a, a Christian background, if they are a different religion, they would have to request their time off for their own holidays. All right. Leave out the traditional part, but you could actually apply that line of thinking. To anything. To anything. So we have family day here in February every year now. Only certain people do, because depending if you're federal or provincial. No, no. Fam- family day is now a stat holiday. In Ontario. Officially for everyone? Yes, yes. Okay. So what what if you don't have a family? What if you what if you don't get along with your family? What uh, could you not argue then that I find family day the concept I grew up in a not me, but someone saying this. I grew up in a terrible family. My family experience was horrendous. I have PTSD when I think of family. <laughs> we should not have we should not be celebrating Family Day, because that is a horrible memory for me. You're that, bring, bring you could make points. a, you could make a, 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 you know, we don't have a stat holiday, but for Mother's and Father's Day, I could have had a horrendous mother or a horrendous father. And the fact that you celebrate this and that people do stuff. But you've noticed now they, they've, they changed the language slightly. Happy Mother's Day, Happy Father's Day, or to he- whoever the significant person in your life was. Okay, I'm unemployed. Why can I celebrate Labor Day? That's offensive to me that people are celebrating hey, work. If you're unemployed, you're having you're having happy unemployment months. So you know you're you're living life right there, pal. I mean, it just go go down. <laughs> though, there are so many. You, you know, for the banks, um, they they get Remembrance Day off. Yes, and, not and, everybody does. No, not everyone does. But I also I think that's a little disrespectful because you get the day off. What's the first thing I hear from bank? We're, we're going across the states. We're going shopping. We're going shopping. So you're not remembering. You're not truly nope. embracing the holiday. It's a day off. You're not paying attention. You don't care. I think that's very unfortunate. Well, here's another example of what I'm talking about, though, for Christmas, is we get Victoria Day off. Now, some people don't celebrate it as Victoria Day because, again, colonialism or whatever. They just they don't like the... But it's then May 2-4 weekend. We're going to change it to Chuck's Day? But if you don't celebrate Victoria in Victoria Day, but you still get a day off, you call it May 2-4, it's not a... Victoria Day in this province, in this city that I've ever seen, 
I don't, have we ever actually, I mean, in recent years, have we ever actually celebrated Queen Victoria? Do we sit around and sing songs to Queen Victoria? No, it's a day off. And if you don't like Queen Victoria, you call it May 2-4 and you go off and you drink beer and you have fireworks. Hey, you, you wait until they, the council passes uh, Diwali Day and Chinese New Year's. You're, we're going to be having fireworks going off every day of the year. So. No, except that fi- council wants to ban fireworks, but that's a whole lot. <laughs> they want to ban it, but they want to potentially add another couple days. So... To your point, the the people coming to our wonderful country can celebrate their culture and their traditions. I I just, this all comes back to the point of, look, I I understand that not everybody comes from a Christian tradition. And I don't expect everybody to, and I'm not even suggesting that everybody should come over here and abandon their religion. I don't mean that for a second. But I don't think, and I certainly don't believe I'm alone in this, I don't think that it is incumbent upon us because we are so understanding to abandon all the traditions that this country has held for hundreds of years. I think there is something comforting to the people who have lived here all their lives to have traditions, but something engaging to people who are new to this country, that there are traditions that they can now be part of to feel Canadian. Learn something new. We welcome you to this country. Here's something that you can partake in if you wish. If you don't, please feel free to celebrate how you, you wish. You get a day off. You don't have to say the word Christmas. You don't have to do anything. If I And again, you used a great example. If I go to Mexico, I can choose to on May the 5th, I can choose to participate in Cinco de Mayo Day. We were, uh, years ago, we were in Bermuda on Bermuda Day. I don't even remember what, what day of the year that was. It doesn't matter. We were there for Bermuda Day. We chose, didn't have to go to the parade. We chose to go be part of Bermuda Day because, hey, now you can engross yourself in part of the culture and experience something. If they had said, well, not everybody is Bermudan. Therefore, we, you know, we don't want to force this upon people. It removes something that would allow me as an outsider to actually experience and be part of your culture. It, it's such a backwards way of thinking. It certainly is. But uh, listen, we, we are also in a world now where everyone has an opinion. Everyone has to let their opinion be known to everybody. Let's shout it out from the rooftops. And, and here we are now talking about it. And they're putting these legislations through or, or wanting to at least. It's... Hey, it's the new world we live in. You have an idea, throw it out there and get everyone all riled up. I'm just waiting for the first person who is an anti-concussion activist to want Boxing Day banned. (laughs) 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 It has nothing to do with actual fighting, except sometimes in the stores. I love it. uh, But, you know, someone will come along, you know what, MMA and boxing, it's bad for your brain. We should ban, what we should call it is everybody gets a long day. Hey. I, I like that, but you've just given MMA and all the boxing federations out there. Hey, let's sponsor this day now. Just like <laughs> Amazon should. was sponsoring a football game they today, should. right? So there they you go. Should. There is a new study that is out. This was uh, done in South America, the Radiological Society of North America. But somehow they did this. They based this study in South America looking at the brain activity of sports fans. Now they use soccer fans, but they looked at the brain activity of soccer fans when their teams did well, but particularly when their teams did unwell, when they lost or when they underperformed or whatever else. And Mike Fortune, who was with me, probably wouldn't surprise you at all to know that the study showed exactly, I think, what we would have expected, that if your team loses, 
you are more prone to irrational behavior afterwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at you, all. You see it on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, you know, NFL football. I'm going to use that as the example. Steelers, Cowboys. These super fans will get upset over a call, miss field goal. They'll break their 80-inch television. They'll throw stuff. They'll slam them. How? Scott, how in the world can you get so upset over watching multimillionaires who don't know you, don't really care about you, um, uh, how can you get upset to ruin your property, ruin your house? Because I can guarantee you, yes, these athletes, they get upset, they're, 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 it bothers them, but they don't know you. They have a life outside of football. Oh, they, yeah. They go and li- live their life, and yeah, they'll take the media hits and all that. But they're out a few hours later, probably having a few pops, laughs with their family, and they're moving on with their life. Just like you would do when you leave your job. I don't get how you can be so passionate. Maybe in my as I'm starting to get a little older up in years, when I was younger, I was passionate. Now I'm just like, yeah, they win, great. They lose, yeah, okay, get them there, next There's day. long been and, this urban legend that oh, says that ooh. after the Super Bowl, the day of the Super Bowl is the worst day for domestic violence. That That is... As we understand it, that is not necessarily true. There may be some examples of times where that happened, but it's not a yearly thing, apparently. Nonetheless, the, what this is saying is, well, whether you take it to that degree or not, y- people will, as you say, do irrational things based on sports. And it doesn't surprise me, and yet at the same time, it kind of does, for the reasons you just said, that why... I, I'd be fascinated. So we, we now have the science that says... Okay, it does cause this. I just don't get why it well, causes it. Well, wait a second. It. They, they, they did the test on soccer fans. Yes. So I have one issue with that. First off, they probably have way too many concussions from heading the ball so many times. Well, no, but these would be so, the fans, not the players. Well, no. If you're a fan, you're probably playing the game quite a bit in Mexico or wherever. So anyways. Yeah, but fans here played hockey or football or soccer yeah. or whatever. And so they, yeah, Lots of concussions. Go. Anyways, I, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I digress. I understand what you're saying. Um, no, give it up, folks. I forget. Where were we going? I got off track here. You see, even my memory's <laughs> off now. Just why the people why? get so angry. I get that they do. I don't dispute it for a second that they do. And and I have, too. I have, too. Have you in the not last to, not five, ten years? Yes. Really? But, but Well, sure, you get upset about a result or something, but n- but not to the point. See, this says that you will that it would lead people, lead fans. They are prone to irrational behavior. I can be upset. I've been upset by the outcome of a game. I don't believe I've done anything irrational. I believe that I have the capacity to be angry about something and not to throw a microwave through my window. No, because you and I can know how to restrain ourselves from anger and and we're wired maybe a little differently than some of these other individuals. I, um, yeah, and I think it starts, I don't know how, how, I guess it starts when you're young. You, you watch how your parents are. You, and, and also now too, let's face it, there's this, uh, the social media thing and the fact that, oh, well, let's maybe also get a few clicks and likes on this maybe too. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I, I see it uh, even at the amateur level. Um, the anger, the rage. Very being, much at the amateur level. Being upset with referees, being upset with, um, in, in various sports, you have the athletes who might have to call some games themselves. They'll have to do the lines. They'll have to keep score. And you'll see 40, 50-year-old parents yelling and screaming at 15, 16-year-old girls because they got a call wrong. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what's going to bother you right now? This upsets you? 
Now, here's the thing about it. I can, I can understand. I don't excuse it. I've been guilty of it, so I'm not going to pretend otherwise, not pointing fingers at everyone else. I can understand why if it's your kid playing, you can get more engrossed in it and you can be more, uh, more angry about stuff because you've got a, you've got a familial connection to that. And I'm not endorsing it by any stretch. We all need to take a chill pill when we watch our kids play sports, but I can at least understand why that might happen. It's the idea that I'm watching someone who has no connection to me, as you say, that has no idea that I even exist that makes me irrational that I don't quite get. Um, Hey, people like to, people like to do what they want to do. People, uh, will will go off the edge for any given reason, obviously. Maybe, uh, I I don't know. You talk about being invested at the amateur level. I'm invested. I have a daughter. She plays... Um, a, a high level sport and I watch some of the parents from from various teams and how this is this is something I think that is learned uh, through through watching if you if you understand what I'm saying here kids see how adults respond to things they're like oh well this must be the way that you respond this is how you react and I think we're setting a very bad precedent um, enjoy the sport enjoy what you're doing don't get so worked up it's not life and death um, I think, think it may, is. maybe betting has thrown some of this into it. Ah. Maybe they've lost a lot of money. That 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 yeah. That's another angle, maybe. But still, do you go around breaking property? Because now it's going to cost you even more if you yeah, lost a whack of bucks. I suppose that's a very good point. I hadn't even thought about the betting thing. I should have. I mean, heaven knows you cannot watch four minutes of sports on TV these days without being bombarded with betting ads and betting things. Betting in game as it's happening now. The parlays. It's it's truly remarkable. So I can see that side of it, but still, you know, have a little control. You know, you're, you're an adult here. Come on, folks. Yeah, and, and I, you talked about uh, the day after domestic violence after a Super Bowl or large event. That's horrific. I hear leading up to the Super Bowl is the one the highest sales for televisions. Everyone wants to have that big, beautiful television I'm to watch sure. the Super Bowl. I'm sure. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt about that. But it's just it's it's an amazing thing that they that the that they are now studying so, sports fandom and finding out exactly exactly so what I would have expected. What else is this saying? Is is there an answer on how to fix it, what to do? How no. To, no, it just No. Oh, we got some money to spend. Let's do a study on this and Uh well, I th- I mean I think that there's a value in it that d- to prove oh, to, uh, what's the value? You're proving what I think everybody believes. You're an idiot? Well, no, you're proving what everyone believes, I think, which <laughs> is that sports it touches a deeply... So here's the good news about this. If you can touch such a deep emotional nerve with people that they would behave irrationally and do something negative through sports, that would, I would believe, also by extension mean you can touch people to do to feel unbelievable joy from sports, which we, also, which we also know to be the truth. Listen, you can have massive highs and massive lows, what I think makes an athlete great or a, an entrepreneur or a businessman great, woman, person, geez, heaven forbid, I'll get in trouble for that, is, is how you can maintain that level of calmness no matter where. You but do win. you want to? Do you want to? Or is there a whole reason we watch sports or other competitive you things to s- not be on a balance? We want the highs and of course not the lows. We, do. we don't want the we lows. We want but. the endorphins going. 
but control it still. So much about sports is controlling your anger on the field, controlling your actions so you don't get penalized, move your team back, put someone in the box. Control it. Control being a fan if you can. You, you want to get so riled up, hey, love it. I understand. When the Jays won their first World Series, I was jumping up and down downtown yep. Hamilton. But when they lost, I wasn't throwing stuff. I wasn't jumping off a bridge. I wasn't. Sorry, that probably wasn't the right uh, context. Did you, did, but I wasn't doing anything brutal like that. No, have you watched the Netflix series on David and Victoria Beckham? Certainly have. Okay. So uh, many people have. It's a very well done yep. thing, which I, honestly, I, I came away from it more impressed with David Beckham than I was when I started. I didn't really have much of a thought. He was just David Beckham. Except, but anyway. Yeah. But in that, one of the, at least one almost entire segment is about the red card he got in the World Cup and how this had been one of Britain's biggest, most popular stars who went overnight, basically, into being an entire pariah for a country where he was was hated. He was almost afraid to go out of his house sometimes because of what people might do. And again, that, you talk about the irrational behavior. There's your perfect example. And there's no there's no point for it. Listen, our Tiger Cats, and, and maybe it's because I'm a long uh, Southern Ontario sports fan who has cheered for the Leafs. You've been cheered groomed. for the Jays. <laughs> I've been groomed. Who's cheered for the Tiger Cats. I've been groomed for disappointment. Yes. So it's like, okay, well, nothing, nothing to be surprised about. Yep. Expected. But even when they win, and they will again, Mm. it's going to be fun. I'll enjoy it, but I'm not going to go over the top. Control yourself, folks. See, I believe the Buffalo Bills, the only reason the Buffalo Bills exist is to destroy the souls of their fans. Torment. Torment. Tease. They only, they were, Buffalo was granted a franchise on the condition that the only thing it would do is hurt their fans as deeply <laughs> as possible. But again, you you look at irrational behavior. There, there you go. Oh, I want to change very quickly here. Yeah. We got a few seconds left. I saw this story. This is this is. I mean, maybe this is irrational behavior as well. Uh, it really has little to do with anything. I just find it really interesting that Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates well, yeah. has taken out a restraining order against John Oates, his former partner. They apparently cannot stand each other now. They don't talk. They don't have anything to do with each other. It's unclear why he needs a restraining order. Guess how old Daryl Hall is? Because this is a guy, like back when we were growing up, they were at the top of the, guess how old he would be? 55, 56? 77. Come on. Wow, that's old. I didn't realize that. Mike, I don't know, for, for people listening again, I, I just, I have more and more, maybe other people have too, maybe not, have been startled and stunned with how many celebrities that I grew up with are now in their mid-70s or 80s, and boy, that's when you start catching how much time has passed in your life, when you suddenly look and go, wait a second, that person is in their 70s? That person's in their 80s? Really? And, and I'm doing that a lot right now with a lot of sports figures, especially former Blue Jays players who are now in their 60s and 70s. I'm like, man, oh, man, time is flying by right now. Yeah, I get it. It really, it, when you, every time, like, again, we talked about this on the show yesterday about Dolly Parton. Good for Dolly Parton. She was doing the halftime show yesterday. She killed it. She was great. And still looks, I mean, not what I thought a 77-year-old would look yeah, like. God I mean, bless her. and good for her. She she did amazing. But when again, when you think Dolly Parton is 77, Daryl Hall is 77, yeah. it's just it's it's 
again, maybe it's um, we start looking at Gretzky and and all these guys. They're all they're all getting in up there. The the sun goes around once a year, and we all get a year older. And uh, yeah, but and that's exciting because I like to look at a lot of these players, get my updates. Oh, it's so and so's seventieth birthday. It actually brings back some nice memories for me. Remember watching them when? Remember this play? Yeah, Obscure but it things. does make you feel old. It I makes mean, you feel old. I, I didn't get this into my column when I was writing it uh, uh, on Grey Cup night here in town, but not this year coming up. So the Ticats this year coming up mm-hmm. um, will be, th- this is, I guess, the 25th season it'll be without... Without winning a cup. Without winning a cup. But the year after that, the quarterback... Of the last Ticats team to win a cup will turn 60. Danny well, McManus Danny will turn Mack. 60. When the, when, when the guys who were on the field playing... Who were the stars. Who were the stars are now into their 60s. And 60's not old, no, but, no, it's, no, but it's... But for an athlete, from an athletic perspective, it's getting up there. He's been retired from his sport for 30-some-odd years already. I, can't, I just can't picture those guys... Being in their sixties. That's why you get into radio, like you, Scott. Your voice never changes, oh, and you just you, you just sound amazing all the time, and no one knows yeah, how, how you age. Thank you, thank you. But it, it's yeah. So there, there's a guy that back when I first started in journalism, there was there used to be a uh, Don Robertson is on this show every Monday night on on if people are listening and remember this, the guy who runs the Dundas Real McCoys. He started a hockey league mm-hmm. many years ago called the Colonial Hockey League, which then became the United Hockey League, which then got sucked into the International Hockey League. And But he started this league back in 1991 or two. And one of the original teams was the Brantford Smoke. And hmm. they were a good team. They had t- um, um, Tom Searle, Dundas guy, okay. two-time Olympian for Austria, great player on the team. There were a few other guys that were very good players on the team. Anyway, point is... A few months ago, and I don't know how I came across this, I saw a name online and it was the same, it wasn't the same person, but it was the same name (laughs) as a guy who played on that team. Yeah. And I hadn't thought of that name in years and I typed in that name to do a search. I wonder whatever happened to that player who was on that team. Funny how often we do that too. (laughs) And what I found was some note that he had gone into teaching and he had retired this year. Really, yeah. And all I could think was, how old am I now that the guy who was a young, yep. starting minor pro hockey player when I was starting in my career has now retired from teaching? How old are we? I love, uh, I, I love watching those. Where are they now? And this past week, if you're out there on social media, Google Macaulay Culkin mm. revisits Home Alone 30 years later. It's really cool, the clip, and how things have changed. Uh, he, he's looking a little bit better. I know he's looking a little bit. But he, he's turned it 30 years later, the Home Alone house 30 years later. It's, he did a good job. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how time flies by. We get to look back. And I think if, the, if it's anything, I think it's just a reminder, Scott, and something we can pass along to the youngsters is, you know, in, enjoy your time when you're young because it does go by very, wow. very quick. You, as soon as you refer to them as the youngsters, you, you just immediately announced that uh, Mike Fortune, now 87 years old. Um, let me tell you, can I tell you how many more people I have called me Mr. Now? <laughs> uh, that's Mike Fortune from Cable 14. You can see him on the Hamilton uh, Network. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure, man. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. 
Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.